Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. If the little errands become things we love to do mm-hmm. and look forward to, isn't that, isn't that the secret to happiness is having something to look forward to in the most mundane of circumstances? Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gathers, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Ms. Robin Spiesman, who's an author of uh, 75 books. She's a radio personality, TV personality, her latest book, Living Out Loud, is in uh, stores now, both online and, and physical stores. And we talked a lot about, well, we talked about a range of things. Her personal truth was that uh, loving out loud is something that can be taught. And if you want to know what loving out loud means, you got to listen to the episode. And also she talks about how the powerful or the healing power of words. So that was her personal truth. In terms of her professional truth, she talked about how she learned not to have a knee-jerk reaction to everything and really take a position of, you know, how can I handle this better? How could I give more? And then also she talked about in her professional life, the, the time when she decided to stop making a living and making a loving. For those of you listening saying, well, what the heck is making a loving? Listen to the episode. We, we go into it a little bit. We talk about her book and what it's all about. We talk about how people who may be afraid to speak out, you know, some tools for them. What could they do? When I say speak out, just meaning communicating to the people around you, whether it's strangers or loved ones, just what you're really feeling, how you're really feeling. We talked about the, being an author and what that entails. I mean, she's written 75 books, so she knows something about being an author. We talk about parenting and most importantly what are the three most important tenets of a successful parent because she's a, also a parenting expert and we kind of go through those and I'll, I'll just say them here because um, I thought they were really great uh, number one to give your children support without controlling them number two being a great listener and number three notice and compliment when they do something right I think those those were all great and then we sort of ended talking about shifting actually it wasn't at the end it was somewhere in the middle but I, I thought it was it was a great point shifting your to-do list to your to love list <laughs> and uh she she talks about that as well so close your eyes and open your ears and uh let's get into it all right enjoy the show good people welcome back another episode of the truth prescription podcast Today, I'm uh, excited. I have the pleasure of talking to Ms. Robin Spiesman. Hi, Robin. Hi there, doctor. How are you today? <laughs> I'm doing the fantastic. The truth doctor. Awesome. <laughs> doing fantastic. Robin is a radio personality, a shopping, gifting, and parenting expert. The author of what I, what, what, at least what I read on the website, 33 books, which is like astounding. We don't have to talk about that. And including her most recent book, Loving Out Loud. She's been called a super mom or a super shopper. I'm happy to have on the show. Thanks for coming, Robin. It's my greatest pleasure. <laughs> so um, here in a true prescription, normally we will jump right into the truth. So do you want to talk about a personal or professional first, Robin? I'm just going to jump in where my heart leads me um, at this very second. Loving, Something came to mind. Good. You're loving out loud. I like it. Go ahead. I, I'm loving out loud. <laughs> I think that 
kind of being in a flow where I, I start my morning off instead of telling myself perhaps what I did wrong. I'm looking at more, what have I done right? Where okay. can I move back into the best version of Robin? Sure. And I think that's the real truth is that we all have different selves that have been affected, inspired, have been in a way, you know, we're all on this, this journey in life. And if we become our experiences or someone else's experience of us, we give up our own story. Yeah. So one of the stories I think that I would share with you is a personal one because I think a lot of us have lost someone in our lives and it's a very important topic. So my parents, both of my parents, just remarkable, loving, giving, supportive parents. I had a beautiful childhood. I was a very fortunate girl in that manner because I was really loved out loud. I knew what it meant. The words were shared, but there was a little story that my grandmother really never told my mother how much she loved her because she said my mother knew it. Hmm. But my, if you ask my mother, her version of the story was, I need to hear it. And it was very hurtful. And it was a, a really quite the big thing. So I started working on my grandmother. And when I say working on her, I don't want any of our listeners to believe you can snap your fingers or make someone love someone out loud. Yeah, no. You can't force an individual to, to necessarily to meet you where you're at and what you need. It wouldn't be great if it went like that, right? Right, it would be. <laughs> but in this case, I started explaining to my grandmother how much I loved her. And I loved her out loud. And every single week, because I taught art to the a senior citizens group to get her out of her apartment because she wasn't leaving her apartment in her 80s because um, she was a little more frail. And of course, I went over there and started teaching. I ended up with 30 students, including a <laughs> wonderful woman who was blind. And I taught them art. I taught a blind woman how to see, which was extraordinary. But I was trying to encourage my grandmother to recognize while she was alive, the gift of words from her heart, which she said those words were there. Okay. How could she let them out and, and validate my mother? Because I knew it'd be an enormous gift. Sure. In the last few weeks of my grandmother's life, which we did not know it was going to end, she came to terms with the idea that my mother should hear those words. And she said, Phyllis, I love you. Wow. You know that, don't you? Huge. And my mother said, yes, mom. And she said, I guess I should repeat it again. Phyllis, I love you. Mm. And then I was sitting there and it was an extraordinary moment. And then I thought of myself in terms of, now, what was that really about? She needed to hear words. I asked grandma, would you please just let mom know how you feel? Because those words are so important for her to hear. And I think that exchange, though, maybe oversimplifying a very long, complicated relationship. I think the power of words, the power of thoughtful, gentle words have really helped me heal. And when I lost both of my parents within a year or so of each other, it it was the grief I felt was astronomical. I mean, it was just paralyzing. And as I started to understand grief and really explore why we cry, why we give this profound voice to a loss, it's really giving that profound voice to who you love, who you loved and incorporating them back in your life. So I started realizing so much love was poured into me. Mm-hmm. Perhaps my truth was, as I dealt with grief and loss, that I needed to remember all that love didn't die. It's in me. And could I pour it back into the world somehow? And wow, I started connecting with people and being able to hear stories about my parents. And I started being able to smile. And of course, I can get choked up. But I started dealing better with grief and better with loss. And I don't know, the world got a little brighter again. So I think today, as I share that very personal story, that story reminds us that loving out loud is a gift. And when we give it with thought and intention, not flattery and insincere, and when we receive it, when someone says, you know, you did such an awesome job instead instead of saying, no, 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 you say, Thank you. Yeah. I, I worked hard and I'm so happy my efforts, you know, supported the mission, you know, of our, our business. Whatever the words are, recognize we have to be a gracious receiver as well 
as a gracious giver of love. That'd be a little story. A little personal. It certainly personal. impacted my life. There was a few nuggets in there. The two that uh, seemed most profound to me was loving out loud can be taught almost, right? Uh, if you don't have the background or if you don't have the the understanding of how to do it, if you have someone that's 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 loving and is willing to show you gently, right, as, as you did with your grandmother, it can be taught. So that's that's beautiful. And then also you said words can heal. And I'm sure your mother got some modicum of healing when you when she heard your grandmother speak, you know, speak those words to her that she had been longing for for all those years. And Beautiful. and I have to say, you know, this took years. This was not an overnight thing. Right. And my right. loving out loud, my grandmother, who could say, I love you, Robin, I love you, Robin, like, you know, 20 times a day, it became a language we shared. Okay. And I think asking asking for permission and telling someone, here's what makes me feel so, you know, joyful. Here's what makes me feel cherished and appreciated. The book Loving Out Loud is exactly what you said. It's the ability to notice what other people are doing that deepen their relationships and bring them joy. And as a result, it can be taught. So a little simple story, if I may jump in with one more. I married this awesome, lovely man eight years ago. And I like that you call him awesome and lovely. That's nice. Yeah, he's a great great guy, but he's a man of a few words. And the world needs all of us. We need thoughtful, introspective individuals who are more methodical. And then they need the, you know, kind of the verbose, you know, you know, I'm having a great day and, you know, life is beautiful. We need all of us. So what I recognized was that he asked me, what did I want for Valentine's Day? Mm. And I thought about it because I'm a gift giving expert. And let me tell you, I can come up with a list of gifts (laughs) that will knock your socks off um, (laughs) for any occasion. But I said on our first Valentine's Day, I'm going to ask for words. And I said, why don't you come up with a few words and every morning say them? Mm. And he was like, whoa, I don't have to go to the mall and it's free and this is awesome (laughs) and she'll be happy. And. So he said, well, what about good morning, beautiful? Mm. And I thought, whoa, that works for me. Okay. And I said, because beautiful's inside, who you are inside, not just outside. And I said, great. And every day he started doing that. And then it changed to little post-it notes and GMB. And now we have every day this little language. And it could be five o'clock in the afternoon and he forgot you know, he'll, he'll text me GMB. So it, <laughs> it became our little tradition, but it's the, the difference is it reminds me to stop and love out loud. Sure. And we're so busy. If I give any message today, it's to slow down and connect back to what's important yes. with each other. Yes. I've said that. Yep. So true. And that would be the, the big thing. And I, I do have an assignment for your listeners. Okay. Give it to them. Everybody's got a to-do list. I mean, my to-do list, I've got this pad right here at my desk and it's a to-do list and I've changed it now. I no longer call it that. I call it a to-love list. And on my love list, it's the simplest thing, no matter who you are, where you are, what you do. If you shift your to-do list to a love list, things take on a different brightness. And let me explain why. I'm this like super busy woman Um, in my past lives. I I was definitely a tornado and I'd breeze through things, bull in a China shop. I'd get it done. I was really nice, but I'd I'd connect it at rapid fire speed, lightning speed. And I realized when I slowed down, it was a better, calmer version of me. It was appreciated. It was, it was likable. It was something that was, um, accepted in a, in a, in a, in a more lovely way. I, I have to use the word lovely because I felt better about me, but I know I was perceived as someone who had time for someone else instead of, oh my goodness, she's really busy. I'm lucky to have a moment of her time. No, no, no. Everyone was important. Everyone is important. And how did I respect, how did I respect them? When I was breezing through life at a hundred miles an hour, that's not the same as slowing down and saying, how are you today? And then listening yeah, and sharing something that's not, I won't call it small talk, but I'll call it a little bit more open and freely giving. So 
let's say that I had to go to get an alteration done. In the past, I would have like raced to it and thought, oh, I have to get it done and then I have to wait and then assigned all these negative thoughts to the fact that now it costs more and the, the pair of pants now no longer was a good buy. It's going to be expensive to get it on. <laughs> and then I met a, a woman and I said, I'm going to try this out. I got to know Winnie, Winnie from Trinidad. And Winnie, my alterations you know, expert, became a friend. Wow. And we got to know each other. And I learned about her mother and her sisters. And now when I have to have an alteration, I can't wait to have an alteration because I get to see Winnie. And it's like, I call her and I go, can I bring you lunch? And it's a yeah. friendship. I'm so grateful to write her a check for her services. So that this whole thing is a simple example. And you can, you can move it up to far more, you know, profound examples perhaps in your life. But if the little errands become things we love to do mm-hmm. and look forward to. Isn't that isn't that the secret to happiness is having something to look forward to in the most mundane of circumstances. Wow. See, yeah. that's a good life. Yeah. Counterintuitively, actually, what I've found is that when I've slowed down, I've actually had more time. Instead of running through my to-do list, you know, with almost unconsciously just, you know, checking off the boxes, really sort of, <sighs> trying to massage and and just really take time and as you said kind of almost you're almost like saying living with it i mean your book could also be titled living out loud right it's like you're you're sort of living with each moment and i found that at the end of the day i wasn't as like tired i wasn't as mentally drained and i actually could get more done so it's it's so interesting how those two things work oh but you just coined it you just did it you summed it up the truth prescription, you know, you have to write an RX, right? Yes. For your listeners. Yes. And you just, have, if when we slow down, we get more time. And then you went one step further, which was brilliant because you said, then I'm, I'm feeling better. I'm not assigning all that mental real estate to those negative thoughts, the worry, anxiety. Oh, I wish I could repeat that. Go back, try it again, do it over. Right. Do overs. Really, you you get to go back in every day. Like, think about it. You wake up every morning and you start your new day. You're going to repeat it and worry about it, or you're going to do something about it. Right. So that's what I love that you said. Wow. Slow down and you don't lose time. You actually gain more time. That was, that's it. Right. Right. I feel like I could say thank you. Have a good day. You you nailed it. Right. I can't wait to go further. Interview interview over. Dive in. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So I could ask you for a uh, professional truth, but you really encapsulated a lot with your personal. Do you want to jump into some questions or do you have a, something in your professional life that was a truth that you either weren't aware of or ignored that once you accepted it, you were able to break through? In the professional life, I think we I should share that because I think that my passions have become my my work. So I have this kind of theory that if I'm not having a good time, I have to visit it and understand I've either have work to do to perfect a skill. Okay. Perfect the skill instead of, you know, bolt. I have to protect the skill. What am I not doing that perhaps attracted this issue? So I I kind of go in and that's probably one of the best lessons I've learned in business is instead of having knee jerk reactions, instead of ever pointing blame, go back in and say, how could I handle this better? What could I have done maybe to create a better outcome, even when it's, quote, not my fault, but something, let's say, doesn't go right. Right. And the second thing is we must make a loving instead of a living. We make a living. It's important. But if we spend so much of our lives at work that I say to anyone, don't postpone some form of the ambition or joy that you have in life because it's not your, perhaps your job, right? like the hobbies, the skills, the talents. If you wanted to learn to play the piano, whatever it is, you will play it over in your head a hundred times before perhaps doing it again, as we're talking, it's really wasting valuable time in one's life. Mm. So that, that would be my, my professional advice. When you make a loving work, is um, less stressful right. and we need less, we need less stress in this world. You know, for anybody listening, when you hear Ms. Weisman Robbins say, make a loving instead of a living, you may be saying, well, how the hell can I make a, a loving? You know, I'm in this job. I've been there for however long. I'm not really happy. 
taking up a lot of emotional real estate in my life. I'm going to repeat something that one of my previous guests, uh, Chris Broussard, said, which is mm. a little a little tidbit of an insight into how you at least start. His secret uh, formula was that he took what he loved, which was sports, and combined it with something he was naturally gifted at, which was writing, and he became a sports writer. So if you kind of put those two things together, something that you love and something that you're naturally gifted at, that's a good place to start. All right. Thank you for that, for that, Robert. That Robin, that was great. Let's uh, let's jump into some questions. So, number one, so your book is called Loving Out Loud, right? Mm-hmm. I want to let's reverse engineer this a little bit. What is loving quietly, and why do you not promote that? That's such a good thing to say to ask. Good question. And by the way, what's so wonderful about it? Each of us has a style in which we express our love. So one person might be an introvert, shy, has been raised believing that expressing one's feelings is a weakness, Mm. that it's a display of affection is something that's wearing rose-colored glasses and not sincere. But the flip side of the coin is when you share it out loud, what you're thinking, most of us are not mind readers. And so if we, (laughs) exactly, I was going to, I was going to kind (laughs) of hope you went there. That was the perfect response. We're not mind readers. And or fortune tellers or fortune tellers. (laughs) You got it. That's part of the challenge. So it's like my grandmother loved my mother. She knew she loved my mother. And if my mother knew she really down deep loved her, but she wanted to hear the words. I'll tell you why. When we repeat silence to ourselves, there's a silence. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people could say silence is golden. But what we do with our minds is we replay messages. And our our brain has been proven in research, and there's an enormous amount of information about this. But our minds need to hear words that console us, that remind us we are our present, valued, obviously not invisible. When you notice, if you think about the child who's raising their hand in the classroom, I know it, I know it, I know it. The hand's waving, unwaving. Teacher picks someone else. Mm. You put your hand down. Gosh, that didn't feel so good for the second. Someone else was chosen. We need messages that say each one of us is is present, which is a gift, the gift of presence. So what words do is they give someone a a thought that if someone repeats it long enough, it becomes a belief. And sometimes they inwardly take that belief. Like if you say to me, you know, have you ever told someone, you have a beautiful voice? That was music to my ears. I I actually, my kind of heart skipped a beat when you sang, oh my goodness, time stood still. And then that person gets a little confidence, your words. But let's say you thought it, oh, what a beautiful voice. And that just touched me deeply. And you left. You didn't deposit something in that individual who might gain a little self-confidence, might take a risk and try out for a play. And we play these messages over and over. If we get negative messages, we play them over too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's done with silence too, with a look, with a frown and we need to start giving each other more messages. When we love out loud, we remind each other of our value and how we wish to be valued. And if you try it, even if you're a shyer inward individual, a little bit at a time and you get comfortable with it, the response from children, from others, from people, your partners, they feel noticed, they feel yeah. appreciated, and something magical happens. And believe me, humankind has been around a long time. And why was it named humankind? So Mm. humans being kind, it's a powerful concept. But the more out loud we are kind, look at the world today filled with chaos and and, and all different types of battling and combat. And perhaps if more humans became humankind, we could turn around a better understanding of each other because right. I can't read your mind. Right. It's interesting. It, it kind of, 
what you said is perfect. It leads me right into my next question, which is, what would you say specifically to someone who's afraid to give a kind word because of social anxiety or what I'll call relationship uh, PTSD, you know, where they've been hurt by friends or family, so they certainly won't talk to a stranger. What would you say to that person? And let me tell you that I interviewed a lot of the individuals who had a lot of in, uh, background experiences where they said something kind they were called too nice. They were made fun of. Mm -hmm. So that does exist. If you're feeling that it's very difficult, start with yourself. Mm. Look in the mirror. It's great. Did you tell yourself you need to lose 10 pounds? You look terrible today. You look awful. <laughs> you look sleepy. You look tired. You need to get a haircut. You're not your best. Or did you look in the mirror and say, good morning, Robin. Yeah. Today's another day. Exercise for five minutes. Give it a shot. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. It's okay. You know, I, I accept you and appreciate you. And how about we have a good day together? And yeah. this, these thoughts in your mind are powerful. So <laughs> I like the idea that if you practice on yourself a little bit, yeah. say something positive to yourself. You're looking good today. Yeah. You know, right. You know, put on your favorite outfit and don't like put it in the back of the closet. <laughs> My friend Joey Ryman says that all the time. Wear your favorite outfit. Today, you deserve it. Don't save it for a rainy day. And don't be afraid. I remember 10 years ago, the first time I tried to look myself in the mirror and say, I love you, Sekou, I almost ran out of there. I mean, I was just, it was too much. It was too intense. But over time and over daily practice, you can't be afraid of the reaction, right? Because you're trying to reverse years and years and years of cake. It's almost like trying, somebody made a mess in your in your kitchen 30 years ago, and now you're trying to clean it up, you know, <laughs> and you're putting, pouring Clorox on it, and it's just not working. It's not working because we, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's just layered and thick and, you know, it takes time. Whereas now I can go in each morning as I'm, you know, finished up my meditation, do my affirmations where it's it's effortless. It's it's nothing. I You know, I love you. I love you, Sekou. It just flows and I look at myself and I feel it. I think... um that's really great. That's a great place for people to start. I never thought about that. But if you really start with yourself, then it makes it, a, even if it takes you three, four years, however long it takes you, once you start feeling okay, giving yourself those positive affirmations, those positive, that positive feedback, then it's a lot easier to now start sharing because you filled your own tank up. You build your own tank. And I'll tell yeah. you one other thing in the book, Loving Out Loud, The Power of a Kind Word, what was so important about this book was I break down with the help of many experts, psychologists, um, interviews, I break down the things you can do right now, yeah. simple little things. So if you look at, you would like to say something out loud, you don't, you fear looking silly, awkward, you know, you're not comfortable, try paying attention instead. Instead of me saying, you look so nice and then you're thinking, oh my goodness, she's stalking me. You know, the, people have all these assignments mentally. How about paying attention to someone and say, I noticed you did such a good job checking me out of the grocery line. Thank you. Yeah. Try paying attention, a little attention instead of, you know, start there paying attention. Yeah. Tony, Tony Robbins talks about that, focusing on others as a way to increase self-confidence. Yeah. Ah, and the other part of it is, is, is get interested in someone else instead of thinking you have to be interesting. Right. The ego. Uh, right. Am I interested? Like, you know, I'd love to learn more about your background. Can you share that with me? Like, I'm going to ask you right now, I'm interested. Yeah. So the day you decided to do the truth prescription, yeah. of which you've interviewed all these amazing individuals <laughs> who are living in a soulful manner and in an intentional manner, yes. have had major conflicts, tragedies, traumas. Yes. What made you decide to love out loud through the, the truth, you know, prescription? What made you do it? Well, what made me do it ultimately was I realized in my own journey that I had spent a lot of time ignoring the truth. And it wasn't just the truth about what was going on outside. It was the truth about what was going on inside of me. And everything was was blatantly clear. I just didn't want to deal with it. And, and then I noticed my friends and I noticed my family and I saw that this, there was a pattern here where the truth is really the, 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 the prescription. It's really the bomb. If you accept what's real, the world will, will open up to you. And so that was, that was the initial uh, impetus. And I had written a book and I was uh, in the process of uh, using the podcast almost as like a marketing tool, but I, I sort of shelved the, the book for various reasons, but I enjoyed doing the podcast so much, meeting 
great people from around the country and hearing their story and have them share with, you know, now we've, get, we've got up to 800 downloads a month. So it's growing. It just touched me. You know, it spoke to me. Being a natural communicator, uh, it, it was really just in, sort of in line with my personality. And so that that's incredible. You yeah. took action. You took action. So the difference was you felt it, you thought it, you know, you didn't have to then go uh, verbalize it. And you did. Right. And you put it into words. Yeah. And now you're giving a platform, not just to interview someone, it's a dialogue. And right. the best conversations on earth, I learned something new. And I've already learned slowing down creates more time and that's you. <laughs> and so I'm going to think of you in my thoughts okay. and credit, credit you for an insight. Look at what we learn from each other yes. and look at how we judge a book by its cover. Now, I am very excited because my book, Loving Out Loud, has a beautiful cover and the power of a kind word. But if you really wish to judge my book, all you have to do is read two pages, which is the forward by Donna Markova. And I want to share this with you because she coined in the early day, you know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, random acts of kindness as the co-creator of that movement and that book. Yeah. So that was like my dream forward after writing so many books. I thought of Donna Markova wrote the book, wrote the forward in my book. And she did. And when I read it, I cried. I sat still and I I couldn't move. My husband walked in the door. I read it to him out loud. He was stunned. He had tears in his eyes. She is so profound in this forward. Mm. She also named loving out loud an act of kindness. So again, It's that nugget. And this is what's so important is that when we love out loud, even if we are inward, shy, reserved person of a few words, it's an act of kindness. And there's so many other ways to be kind. So don't think this is like the only way, the end all be all. Um, You might bake and and the beautiful cookies you bake and you bring to someone is loving out loud. You might garden and the flowers in bloom are loving out loud. You might sing or dance. Everyone has a language in which they can love out loud. The love languages. Yeah. But what a good life looks like is how do you, how do you have a conversation anymore without an emoji, a smiley (laughs) face? Do you think I'm going to cut out the smiley face, put it in my treasure box and remember who it came from? Yeah. But if you tell me, that I have impacted your life to go maybe spend more time with your grandchild instead of buying, you know, something for them. Did you teach them one of your skills and talents? Did you stop and tell them a little lesson or story about why we take one toy out of a closet and put one back or why we give one to someone who doesn't have one? Who are you? And are you planning yourself in the world in a beautiful way? So you're, you know, you're, your thoughtful acts become ripples and they spread so far. That's powerful stuff. So I'm excited about loving out loud. I'm excited when someone joins me and it turns their entire life around. That's what's happening. And that's the mind blowing part of the simplicity of the idea. It's available to everyone. Yeah. Now you loving out loud. Is that, is this your 34th book? Well, you know, you're you're kind of asking. I'm crazy, wild, and um, like completely consumed with writing books. My okay. first thirty books were little pamphlets. They were like twelve little beautiful pages. With I was an art teacher, so yeah. they were all these how-to ideas to make all these cool things. Right. Because I love that. I think you know, um, as we learn skills, we build talents and confidence. And I was a children's art teacher and loved it. Then I wrote a whole lot more. And now I'm surpassing 75, which oh, is gosh. crazy. Oh, my gosh. But, wow. But here's the deal. The the loving out loud, it's kind of like a TV appearance. I'm as good as my own, my last TV appearance. And did I make a difference? Right. And am I relevant? Right. And are you listening to me? So this book, this book wrote me. I started learning how one mother and daughter bonded in spite of having not spoken to each other for years. And I learned how one father, whose father was still alive, how they spent their final days together loving out loud, and they barely really spoke. I've learned how 
one significant other made his girlfriend understand why he needed to hear words that made him feel valued. Yeah. He was in the service and he suffered a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder. And there's a lot more to the story, but she better understood him and how those words could resonate. So the stories are absolutely incredible. I was at the post office yesterday and a woman stopped me and said, I ordered your book. And I said, why? And she said, because, because you said something in a, and it was a, a newspaper interview. And she said, I went and did it. Mm. And um, I hadn't spent any time with the babysitter. I took care of my children for three years. I never took her to lunch. I'd never taken dinner. And you said, you entrust, you know, I entrusted my children with her. And I never really spent time getting to know her outside yeah. of babysitting. Yeah. And, it, and it was shocking to me that I could not have paid attention yeah. to something yeah. that meant something. So I think that's the beauty of this book, Loving Out Loud. You know, for my authors that are listening, you're listening to somebody who's written 75 books. So <laughs> I want you to talk about the process, uh, Robin, of gaining and maintaining an audience that follows you through each book, you know, at each each process. And then also, if you want to get a, a little granular, you know, the financial ramifications, meaning mm-hmm. like, how do you get paid? This is for mm-hmm. the authors that are listening. After writing this many books, when people say, I want to write a book, I first say, do you want fame? Or fortune. If you want fortune, you have to understand it's not it's not financial gain. When you have a voice inside you that wishes to to share something, if you write it for the reasons that you wish to share your message, you're connected to a purpose. Mm-hmm. I also explain that when you write a book, you have a moral obligation to a publisher because this is a business. Books must sell. Books must find a reader and a publisher invests a lot of time and money. So my job as an author is I feel very accountable that it's not about fame. It's about, can I share a message with the world that where the world, does the world need another book by Robin Spiesman? No. Okay. (laughs) But does the world need to hear more about a topic I'm passionate about? I am a teacher, so I do believe that I can fulfill that gap and be a good reminder to be cognizant of how we treat each other and break it down to raising kind of children, bonding with your friends. So you've asked a lot of questions in that one question. So (laughs) I will say, I will say that the process of writing a book is a business and you can learn how. I did a series with a gentleman um, called Author 101, Rick Frischman, and we wrote how to write a book. And um, you can get all that free information and all that information now is so in the universe and learn how to do a book proposal. But the bottom line is, are you willing? I don't want to sell anybody anything. I don't want to sell you to be kind. I want to share with you how it's profoundly impacted my life, the lives of the stories in this book. Mm -hmm. And I want to let you know that a phenomenal editor, an amazing publicist, Kim, and phenomenal editor, Georgia, New World Library, they teamed up with me and they helped me shine. So it's teamwork makes the dream work and beyond. But a book is a responsibility to create something that might make life better, even if it's it's a work of fiction and you've entertained the world and opened up new doors for our imaginations. I write nonfiction mainly, and my goal is to write books that can live longer than me. I okay. want the books to live longer than me, and I want my children to know forever what I believe in and how much I absolutely unconditionally love them and what a good life looks like. And they'll never have to wonder what I'm thinking, nor does my love become something that's buried with me one day. It's going to be let out. The world will have my love. Out loud. So Um. it's out loud. (laughs) And out loud in a a kind, thoughtful, gentle way Mm -hmm. that speaks volumes. You'll know what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, I I got it. Speaking of, you mentioned your children. Just say your children's names and their ages, just so we have them on the record. Okay, well, Allie just had her first uh, child and is married and is in her mid-30s. And my son, Justin, as well. 
they are just two remarkable, remarkable kids. When Allie was a little girl, I named her CEO of a pretend family company because mom worked. I worked at home Mm -hmm. and wrote books and and had a public relations business. And what was amazing was she really needed a little desk next to mine. And (laughs) I made her CEO of the thank you company. And everywhere we went, she hired everyone who was nice. And she'd say, I really appreciate you. I'm hiring you for my thank you company. (laughs) And of course, she grew up noticing how individuals reacted and interacted with others right. and got, became great at it. And she's an incredibly caring child who raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So oh, that was beautiful. really wonderful. That's beautiful. And my son is, is a lawyer and he is just an amazing also um, writer. And together we penned, he was the you know entire focus of it, but um, the book about Jimmy Valvano and his speech, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. so don't give up, don't ever give up. Sure. And had you know legal permission to to write that book and for the V Foundation to help really raise awareness for cancer research. But loving out loud, a cause volunteer, get involved with your child's school, get to know your neighbors, say hello, yeah. and get to know them. This is a, a amazing world. And there are things obviously a book can't solve. I don't claim that a book's gonna this book's gonna miraculously change everything for you but it just might bring you a little bit closer to someone you care about or wish to become close to. Well, Robin, you're, you're also known as a, a parenting expert. My last question for you is, what are the three most important tenets of the successful parent? That's an incredible question. I'm going to go back and, and do a whole flashback over my entire life and careers. Of, and and <laughs> the parents never stop parenting. You just have to find ways to meet a child where they are at, whether they're three years old or 10 Mm -hmm. or 50 Mm -hmm. or 60 or 40. And you have to understand that being a good listener and being interested in their lives begins the moment they're born. How do you support that without controlling that? It's kind of looking at what's the end game? What has brought you enormous satisfaction in, in, in the relationships you have. So number one, I would say be a good listener. Okay, be a good listener. And let your children know you have time for their thoughts and ideas. Number two, look at the way you manage your home. Are you always saying, hurry up, we've got to go, we're late. Um, I don't have time. I got to take this call. Just a minute, wait. You know, are you putting your children on hold constantly? Children hear your every word. Are you too tired, too busy, too what? And then the book is filled with ways to bond with kids, to have that special evening with a child, a date with a daughter, you know, this this kind of traditions, like be aware of what they could be. And then number three is notice what kids are doing right. Mm-hmm. You're only noticing what they're doing wrong. You'll get more of it, guaranteed. And even if they are a master of disaster one day, remember that children are taught how to respond to others by how you respond to them as well. It's a magic word. What's the magic word? Thank you. I have a almost four-year-old and a almost two-year-old. And it's just so amazing how the almost two-year-old is like just copycatting everything the four-year-old does. And the four-year-old is copycatting everything we do. So it's just a a great Mm. visual representation of exactly what you're saying, how what we do, I just, it just, you know, trickles down to everyone. So. So I'd like to give you two assignments, one for the two and one for the four. The two-year-old, put her in charge of hugs. Okay. Put her in charge Whenever of hugs. she has a spontaneous need to give a hug, right. you know, then she's in charge and she is absolutely, that's her job. She's in charge, in charge of, of hugs. hugs. Okay. And she might even be in charge of saying it's nice. And the four-year-old could be in charge of saying it's nice to meet you. Children hide <laughs> behind their parents and that's what they do. It's yeah. natural. So put her in charge when you meet someone new. I tried it with my granddaughter. Okay. So a friend came over to concert and said, hi, Danny. It's, and she said, it's nice to meet you. And the <laughs> smile on her face was gigantic. My friend almost fell over because this well-mannered little girl, you know, so it was like I gave her a thumbs up and I told her and I didn't give her a toy, candy, you know, I gave her a 
thumbs up. Right. Wow, it's nice to meet you. And she said, it's nice to meet you too, Danny. And she, it was like, feel good moment of all time. So (laughs) think, think about, think about what you wish to accomplish. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you. All you parents out there listening now, some, some good nuggets. Cause you know, I always say that children don't come with a manual. So, you know, Mm. we just, we're just all kind of winging it. (laughs) <laughs> trying to love them and, and do the and, and do the right thing. Come with a manual, no, do we? No, that would oh. be great, right? When they they come yes. out, there's like a little little manual attached to them. You can put it a little SD chip. You can put it in the computer. Oh, this is what they need. All right. Well, my SD chip would say, "Please love me out loud." Is how <laughs> I, wish, I wish to move through life. Okay. All right, Robin. Let's jump into some yes or BS. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm going to make a statement. And you say yes or BS, and then you can expound on why or why not. Okay. Okay. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> yes, sir. Number one, receiving is just as important as giving. Yes. You want to expound on that? You want me to keep going? Uh, yes. And, okay. and yes, again, <laughs> that, that sentence could have been taken uh, two ways. Yes. The way that I will assign meaning to it is that being able to receive love is as important as giving it. Correct. Being a gracious receiver means you are appreciative of someone without judgment. And um, just because you didn't like, let's say, need the gift, like the gift, Mm -hmm. you still can receive their intention, which is thoughtfulness. The reason I, I wrote this and put it in here is because I found with myself in the past that I was so quick to just give, 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 give. And it was really just a, you know, a way to almost avoid receiving. And I think that a lot of, a lot of us do that, you know, where we, you know, we just kind of, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't matter about me. I, I'm okay. I don't need, I don't need anything, but going over and up above and beyond for everybody else. And I just think it, it's important once I started realizing, hey, it's okay to receive as well. I'm worth it because it comes down to self-worth and, at the end. I mean, your insights are profound and I will expound on one thing you said, yeah. which is when we do not receive, we block the the inability for someone else to love out loud. Yes, correct. Hey, guys, this is a this is a you know law of reciprocity. This is the the reciprocal part of the universe that if you block it, because then you are you're blocking love. Right. Correct. Number two. Okay. Crying helps to clean out the heart. Yes. Okay. Okay. Why? All right. Here we go again. Most <laughs> people would say BS. Blah blah blah. You know. Okay. When I was at my mother's funeral. I had to give, I I wanted to give the eulogy, but I couldn't get, I was crying and I was worried I was going to cry. And then someone said, you know, I don't think you'll get through it because you're crying. And I thought, well, then that's, that's the message. And I, I asked the rabbi, is it okay to cry? Like, what's the meaning of crying? Because I, I want to know if I had permission to cry. It was like, I knew I had permission. I was far beyond the, but I wanted to know Mm -hmm. in history, what does that mean? And he said, when you love someone, when we cry, we give a profound voice to that love and how fortunate you are to love someone so much mm. that you are able to cry and give a voice to the, the, to the loss. Mm. I don't think it necessarily cleans the heart. So I'm going to say that was a double-edged sword. Your okay. first part is crying. In my opinion, crying is a voice okay. and it's our option to utilize it when it's it's profoundly important to us. Okay. I don't stop myself from crying. I feel it. I observe why am I crying and I move through it. Yeah. But we're not cleaning our heart. Our heart can hold more love. Our heart can hold a great deal of pain. And that's the, the thing. Nobody's really measured how much. Right. So it's infinite. So my goal is to understand we don't just clean the heart. I think what we do is we refresh our ability to get back in life a little bit more easily okay. by allowing our emotions to, to become out loud or available to ourselves to understand better. Okay. Number three, you must hire a PR firm to promote a book. Okay. I'm in the <laughs> middle. I'm in the middle. First of all, the BS is the, the, you, you must. Okay, the word must in life is not in my vocabulary 
you really kind of must take, you must recycle and take out the trash. There are things that you must do, like it will help the, the earth better. And we must do that because of this reason. But when it comes to a PR firm, let me tell you how I ran a PR firm for 30 something years. First tell of me. all, I was a new author, couldn't afford a PR firm. What's that? And I started promoting myself and ended up promoting myself and co-authors and ended up on national television. Yes, I saw you on a lot of TV on YouTube. A lot, a <laughs> lot. I mean, just beyond your wildest imagination. And it's because I believed in something and that I, I studied it. I learned about the person. I did all my research. Back then, you didn't have the internet in the beginning of my career. So, you know, I really had to work hard to go to the library and and learn about someone before I called them and wasted any of their time. I didn't want to waste time. So I made certain I was prepared. But a PR firm for me meant a please return, not public relations. Okay. Okay. Because please return firm. I was a please return. I hope you'll return to me one day and ask me to be interviewed again. I hope that I'll refer to you, return to you and share your website and your podcast with all my friends and family and followers. Yeah, That's for me means we're returning each other's interest in a, in a meaningful way. So must you do anything? There are phenomenal publicists who I've gotten to know who are lightning rods and have outstanding connections. Okay. And that is beneficial to an author. Okay. It's not that you have to hire. They do speed things up. Sometimes they do add the integrity of their reputation, which helps. So that is, um, you can do things yourself, but you will be greatly benefited by the right person in any aspect of your professional life when you team up with people smarter than you or even more connected. Number four, raising girls is easier than raising boys. No, and raising <laughs> boys is not easier than raising girls. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, okay, BS. All right, there you go, you got one from me. No, good. if there are girls that, you know, coming in this world, they're just easy breezy, they're boys that are easy breezy, they have no challenges, all of us are different. So it's not, I don't even look at it as girls are easier, boys are easier. On any given day, maybe one of your children was more in sync with their purpose than the other and had less, you know, needs at that moment. I don't think any of us are easy. Okay. I don't think that's even the goal. Human beings are complicated. Indeed. Number five, working from home is more fun. Oh, Okay. All right. Yes and BS. <laughs> yes ish, BS ish. Yes and BS. So I'm going to go BS, yes. Okay. BS, yes. All right. BS, so yes. This is Robin again. BS, yes. All right. When you love your job and you love the people you work with and they're at some other destination than home, it's awesome to be with them and it's great to work at a, um environment. And if you understand what excites you and makes you want to get up in the morning and go to that job, then how could I compare it to home? Your home life, you know, might be um, very challenged to be able to be on the phone doing interviews because the baby's crying. There's a lot of, you know, I worked from home in 90% of my life, but I'm out and about in everyone's offices. And so I can't say it's more fun. I say that wherever I go, I'm having pretty much a phenomenal time doing what I love to do. And I do love to work from home. I did write a book with Tori Johnson that we co-authored about called, you know, working from home. And it was, you know, how to really enjoy, a, a, you know, work without the commute. Right. And there's a million um, direct sale businesses. And, you know, a friend of mine, Sarah Blaine, has one where stylists work from home and they're all just doing fantastic um, selling jewelry. And it's like they are really happy and they a lot of them are moms and a lot are, but they are building phenomenal businesses. So I think you have to look at yourself and see what are your skills and talents? What does your network look like? Yeah. And where will you grow and be best served? Where do you find yourself exploring joy on a higher level? Okay. And the last one, number six, the intent of a word 
is more important than the word itself. Mm, here, I'm so sorry there's not that middle yes and BS. <laughs> the intent really matters, but there's so many words that you might intend to be a compliment to me and I'm highly offended by. Mm-hmm. Or you might have a word you, let's say, grew up with that meant one thing mm-hmm. and to me it means another. Mm-hmm. The word love is not love in the romantic sense. But if I said to you, I love you today, mm-hmm. then you might misconstrue that as romantic love. So there's the perfect word, my book, love. I love our listeners. I love your listeners. I don't even know them. And I love the fact that they tuned in to to grow as a person. I love that about them. But the word love even is misconstrued. So what we have to realize is that intent is meaningful and important and purposeful. But when we communicate and we're clear, clarity becomes everything. Did I receive what you intended to say? Did you give enough thought to it? So I received it the way in which you intended it. I even address that with a psychologist in this book, Loving Out Loud, and she weighed in on the way we communicate so that other people can hear us Mm -hmm. is so critical to take that moment so that we're better understood in life. Yeah. One person goes into an office to compliment the boss and the boss thinks she quit. She she has a better job somewhere else. <laughs> they two had two and two kids are raised in the same family. One felt adored. One felt that this was you know a very negative environment. Yeah. What you were there, I was there. What you know, like that's what people have said to me. They were there in the same family that someone felt left out. They felt full inclusion. Everybody has different interpretations. So on that one. Hard one. Oh, <laughs> boy, you are really, you're pushing the butt, the, the envelope here. I love it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's what I do. I said the other one was the last one, but I'm going to go ahead and throw this in there. I heard you say this in an interview, and I wanted you to expand a little bit on it. Number seven, doing something specific in the universe is important. Yes. That's a, that's a full-blown yes. Okay. Good one to end on. All right. All right. So with children, let's take your two and four year old. Yep. When you're specific about what they're doing right. Yes. And you don't just say, good girl, good boy. And you say, I like how you put your ball back in the closet. Right. I got not only a smile on my face, but a smile in my heart. That is such a great job. Right. You know, let's give yourself a hug, you know, right. so a child, you know, right. give yourself a hug. Right. And so when you put a toy back, my my grandma name is Roro. Roro's going to give you a thumbs up. Good job. Mm. And let's clap out loud for, you know, for Poppy. Let's do that. <laughs> and so it, it just became something generous, fun, meaningful, because I was specific. Got now, it. if I said... If I just put put up the toys, yeah. I'm not, I, I was specific, Yeah. but I want you to take the concept of being specific and then just look at how were you heard? What was your tone of voice? Um, were you bossing and controlling or were you specific and caring and thoughtful, a little gentler than normal, even yeah. though you're irritated and frustrated? Yeah. Are you blowing your horn in traffic and scaring people to death? To, to death, you know, are you scaring them or are you taking a moment and, and making certain that you need to blow the horn? Like, I'm not saying don't blow the horn. I'm just saying I've seen people just, you know, cut off people blowing horns at each other, <laughs> screaming out loud. For no reason. Yeah. And on um, this individual was lost and they're like 90 years old. And please, we've got to We've got to be a little bit more helpful than that. Yeah. So. That's my answer to number seven. And I, I think it's awesome you asked me one more yes or BS. You know? <laughs> I like that. I, 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 I had, I actually, that. it was the original number four, but I skipped it. But I, you know, I, sometimes I do that. I'll skip them and come back later if I, or I write these things, but then at the end, it's all about the feeling, how the interview is going and how I'm feeling you and what, you know, what, what. So what, how am I doing? You're doing how great. How am I doing? You're doing great. We're finished. Like we're done. This was a great interview. I'm happy. I think. This will, you know, motivate people to 
if if not buy the book loving out loud at least check out your website and see what you know some of the other things you're doing and just want to learn a little bit more about your message because really you're a messenger that's what 75 book tells <laughs> 75 books tells you about somebody oh, they're a messenger and this is what i said to the postman when he gave me a compliment the other day because yeah. he said i brightened his day and i'm going to say this to you okay return to sender ah uh, ha 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 nice 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 that's you that's you that's nice. you are you are spreading, you're that's not nice. only spreading my truth, but yeah. but you're enlightening me with your truth. And yeah. we, we, we're, we're, you know, it's like they say, we're all better together than we are apart. We are. So thank you for letting me be specific. Of course. Caring, even admitting to when crying's okay. I love that you are letting me help parents parent better. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate, I so appreciate your truth prescription. That's I'm right. going to take it to heart today. <laughs> And my husband just walked in the door, so I'll give him a big hug That's right. and let him know how appreciated he is because he's been so quiet. He's done such and, a good job today while we're on this interview. And patient. Yeah. We, yes, we, patient. Only, we only have 30 seconds left. I'll just say I also appreciate, I've never had a guest at the end of the show recap everything or, or some highlights of what we talked about. So it's clear that you're completely engaged in the conversation and and appreciative of what what we're doing for each other and for the listeners. And I just want to make this one point. It's not about my truth. It's not about your truth. It's about the truth. So the truth is the truth is the truth is the truth. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter who's saying it. It doesn't matter where it's being said. If it's true in in Atlanta, it's true in New Jersey, it's true in Mexico. It's, you know, so that's that. So Robin, tell the folks how they can get in contact with you, learn more about what you're doing, your, you know, your Instagram, your Twitter, all that good stuff, website. Sure. Everything you can check out, robinspeisman.com, R-O-B-Y, Y, I, I don't know, but Y-N-S-P-I-Z-M-A-N.com. Mm-hmm. And New World Library is um, my publisher and, and it's a direct connection. And you'll see they're doing just a great job with amazing books and loving out loud, the power of a kind word is available at amazon.com and in all, all, you know, all the online resources. So I hope you'll get a book, read the book, and then pass it on, insert, you know, your own love, a loving, a loving inscription from you to love someone out loud. It's, it's a good thing. Let, let's make it happen. Make it happen. All right. All right. Thank you, Robin. And I will sign off as I always say, the truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs>